Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackey. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up? Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. It is draft day and a bunch of young men's lives are about to change today. And my life has changed today because I have Jim Eichenhofer in Studio B with me. He is co-hosting today as we get you ready for the NBA draft tonight. Jim, good to see you. Happy draft day, my friend. Hey, happy draft day to you. Um, As always, I'm happy to be here. And you're going to be here for four segments today. It's not just a a one and done for you like a lot of these NBA players. You're going to be here for... Quite the whole show, actually. Man, that's uh, that's pretty nice. I I'm I'm uh, I appreciate you having this much confidence in me to put me on the whole show this time. I like it. I hope your green room was equipped with all the necessary things: the fruits, the veggies, the uh, snack mix, and of course the heavy alcoholic beverages. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were a couple things I I clearly marked on my list that weren't there. So I mean, that might be something that we're gonna need to talk about later. I'm not real happy about. The, uh, the omissions that were made but I mean other than that I, you know it was it was a pretty good setup and I, I'm pretty much ready to go for the draft now in the first three days of this week I've had co-hosts I've had Jen Hale I've had Joel Myers I've had David Wesley none of them requested the green room <laughs> but I get to Thursday and get an email yesterday from Jim and he's like uh where do I sit before I come on the show <laughs> and I was like this isn't Letterman Jim this is the black and blue report so we took Sean Kelly's office and made it <laughs> The green room, so Sean, when you come back um, from vacation, your office is a little messy. And that's all because of Jim. But glad to have Jim on. We'll also have Scott Howard Cooper on from NBA.com and NBA TV. He will help us preview the draft. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of trades are happening. Lots of rumors to uh, put to bed or to talk about if they're true or not. But a couple trade yesterday I want to talk about. And uh, Jim, we'll start with uh, the Portland Trailblazers making a trade. Trading Nicholas Batum to the Hornets for Gerald Henderson and Noah Vonley. So uh, the Hornets making a move for Batum. I like the move for the Hornets, but Blazers, they're in a little bit of a tough situation here with LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, it's you mentioned the rumors that you hear this time of year, and it's hard to know what to believe and what not to believe. But, I mean, there, there's a lot of people today that are kind of insinuating that that Batum trade is kind of the first step in terms of Portland making changes in anticipation of LaMarcus Aldridge leaving. So, I mean, I'm curious to see, to hear what, what Scott 
thinks about what direction Portland is going in because obviously um, from a completely selfish standpoint as people that cover the Pelicans as well as um, the other teams in the West, I mean, there's there wouldn't be a lot of tears shed if Portland decides to go in a different direction as far as, you know, maybe not one where they're, they think they're going to be a 55-win team because the competition is so tough in the West that if, if that can open up a spot, I mean, that would be good for everyone except for probably Portland fans. So um, I'm curious to hear what uh, what what um, people think is the is is the going to be the fallout of that Batum trade. I mean, he he had some he had a lot of really good games against New Orleans over the last mm-hmm. few years. I mean, he was never a guy that they they wanted to go up against. So I mean, I'm pretty sure seeing him go to the East is Adios. is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I'll get to that in a second or next segment. I want to talk to you about this as far as what Pelicans fans can look out for as far as the NBA draft since the Pelicans just had that second-round pick, but also another deal yesterday. Not a big deal, but it actually ended up affecting a trade this morning. Luke Ridenauer from the Magic goes to the Grizzlies in exchange for the rights to Giannis Timmon. And uh, this morning, Luke Ridenauer, this is a report, by the way, this is not official, goes to Charlotte in exchange for Matt Barnes and the Grizzlies' plan to keep Matt Barnes. So between... Matt Barnes, Jim, and Tony Allen, and Zach Randolph, this Grizzlies team, already a feisty team, has got a little feistier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. I mean, from Memphis's standpoint, I think in the Golden State series, they, they were up to one, and then Golden State pretty much changed their, their lineup, their defensive lineup, to the point where Memphis had a couple guys on the court that weren't even being guarded. So I think the one thing that really makes a lot of sense about Matt Barnes for the Grizzlies is that he he still brings the defensive toughness and the the mentality that you alluded to, but he also can make open shots. So it's not like he's just a defensive player who is going to be a liability on offense. So from that standpoint, I think it definitely makes the Grizzlies better. And I mean, you know, I think that was a good addition for them. Yeah, and all they had to do is shed the salary of Luke Ridenauer. So nice move for mm-hmm. the Grizzlies again. Trade not official. You'll hear a lot of rumors, a lot of trade reports. Basically, Adrian Wojnarowski will just drop what they call Woj bombs today. <laughs> so be on the lookout for those. But um, we have a great show. Again, we're going to preview the NBA draft all day long. Um, so we're going to start with Jim. We'll focus a little bit more on the Pelicans next segment. Then we'll bring in Scott Howard Cooper from NBA.com and NBA TV. Then we'll wrap things up and get you ready for tonight. You're listening to the Thursday edition, the draft day edition of the Black and Blue Report. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. For fast relief, call 
The heat is here, and Keefe's Air Conditioning and Heating is ready for action. Keefe's is South Louisiana's AC replacement specialists. When you're ready for a new high-efficiency, money-saving air condition unit, call us. And as always, call Keefe's, and we'll get you cool in three hours or less. Guaranteed. Keefe's Air Conditioning and Heating. For fast relief, call Keefe's. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. All right, we continue on this Thursday draft day edition of the Black and Blue Report. I welcome back in Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. And Jim, it was three years ago, 2012, that the then Hornets selected Anthony Davis with the number one pick. I say that's been a pretty good pick, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's worked out pretty well so far. He's been okay, though. He could be better. Um Jim, based on, you know, number one picks in the past, and also I was watching on SportsCenter how uh, Chad Ford had Anthony Davis as the third best number one pick of all time. And a lot of his, I guess, criteria was players that stayed with their teams as well. He was ahead of Shaq, but Shaq was only in Orlando for four years, things Mm -hmm. like that. But I want to talk about how Anthony Davis has evolved in the last three years and if now expectations for that number one pick are a little higher based on what type of player Anthony Davis is and what type of player – could be chosen there at number one? I think it could have an effect, but mainly if, as everyone is predicting pretty much across the entire league, that Towns is picked number one. Just because if if he's the number one pick, you have the obvious comparisons of that he's from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, um, I heard, I've heard a couple people, um, you know, say that, that he, he's a, you know, he's a, he's obviously going to be, expected to be a franchise player if he's the number one pick. Um, but I think that's probably the main thing is that it's going to be probably unavoidable to, for his, in his career that people compare his prog- progress with Anthony Davis. You know, after year one, people are going to say, what were AD's stats? You know, how good mm-hmm. was he after year two? You know, people might say, hey, Anthony Davis was an all-star in his second season, and is Towns going to be an all-star in his second season? So, I mean, it might be a little bit unfair because, as we know, AD is not the kind of player that comes around very often, but so it, there might be some slightly unfair expectations that are put on on whoever the number one pick is, especially if it is a, a guy from Kentucky. I think. All right, now I know Pelicans fans only one pick tonight. That's number fifty six, and I get it. When you're wanting to watch the draft, you want to see what your team could do. If they had a pick in both rounds, you'd be excited. But it, I know fans are antsy for possibility of a trade into the first round. Mm -hmm. But it's not as easy as you'd think just to trade into the first round. So, Jim, if the Pelicans do, in fact, trade into the first round, what would it take to get into the early parts of the first round? I would say maybe 1 through 15. And what would it take to get a late first-round pick um, tonight? I mean, I think you're talking about trading one of the core guys that's that's under contract. Those are the only guys you can trade are guys that that aren't free agents. Um, I mean – it's possible to, to do that. You could you could trade a, a future pick, but I mean the way the last couple of years have gone, I'm not sure if that's the re- really the route you want to go. But in terms of to me, in terms of this year's draft, I'm not sure if it. To me, it definitely, and I'm 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 curious to hear what Scott says. But as somebody who knows a lot more about the draft than than I do, but just looking at the the lists and the the big boards and stuff like that. I don't think it makes sense at all to try to trade into the latter part of the first round this year just because I think there's a lot of guys that people feel like 
could be first-round picks that are going to go in the 30s and maybe even the 40s. So I'd rather stay, if, if you're going to move up, I'd rather stay in the second round where you don't have to pay, uh, you know, you don't have to guaranteed contract for a guy. Um, I'm not sure if there's a lot of difference necessarily between some of the guys in the 20s and some of the guys in the 30s this year. So because it seems to be a pretty deep draft, and some of the names I see on different um, mock drafts that are going, you know, around 40, I think, you know, could be guys that in a lot of years would be maybe first round picks. So. I'm not necessarily sure if I would be that overwhelmingly excited if they moved into the latter part of the first round. Um, the the early part of the first round, I think, is probably a little bit of a different story. But, I mean, realistically, it, it seems like it would be really tough to, to be able to pull that off. Yeah, but that's a good point there. Look out for if the Pelicans could make a move, maybe moving up early in the second round, they would probably just swap picks and you can throw in some cash and you might have a deal there. So um, that's a good point there from Jim. So... Pick number 56, does that pick have a chance of making the team this year? What are the odds of that 56 making an impact this year on this team? I'm, I'm sure it would obviously be a summer league guy, but um, what are the odds that this uh, pick has an impact on the team this year? I think it's hard to say. I think we'd have we'd have a little bit of a clearer picture after um, the beginning of free agency is, is, um, is over. Just because with, with a second-round pick, especially a late one, I think you always have to you always have to look at roster spots. Um, there, certain teams go into you know the middle of July or the beginning of July with 13, 14 guys under contract already. And if it's if that's the case, and you're the 56th pick, I think you're looking at a at a really tall order to make a roster. But there's other teams that have at that stage might only have nine or 10, 11 guys under contract, and then so you know that you have a lot better situation to make the make the team I mean I know Patrick Young didn't didn't stick a long time last year with the, the Pelicans but you know he was a undrafted guy but he came into a situation where there were roster spots available mm-hmm. so I mean I think a lot of times that that really makes all the difference in terms of how uh, realistic it is for a guy to stay all right before uh before we get into uh, Scott Howard Cooper in just a few minutes um since the Pelicans really don't have a lot of picks in this draft what should Pelicans fans look out for and Part of my answer, I'm going to kind of answer it myself a little bit. Shouldn't fans look out for the other Western Conference teams tonight and what they might do, not only just with drafting players, but how these trades could impact uh, how the West looks next season? Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, if you look at the the seven teams that finished ahead of the Pelicans in the West last year, a few of them, I think, are in, as we mentioned earlier, are in a, with Portland, are in a situation where you wonder what direction, big picture-wise, they're going to take. So for me, that's one of the biggest things that I want to see. I think for some of the teams like the Dallases and um, teams like that, the Clippers, they're not looking at this draft like, okay, this is going to make or break us. They're they're much more focused on free agency and trades and what kind of big moves they can make because in a lot of cases they already have a rotation or pretty much almost all of their rotations set. And a guy who played one year in college who was picked – gets picked late in the first round or second round is really probably not going to factor in at all to what they do next season. So I would definitely agree with with what you said about, you know, you need to look maybe more closely at some of the trades that are made. Yeah, so that could be some of your homework tonight. Not only look at see what the Pelicans could do with pick number 56 or if they make a move, but keep an eye out on those teams one through seven, like Jim said, and even nine and ten. You remember technically number nine last year was the Oklahoma City Thunder. And if they're healthy, you know, they're going to get back in that playoff race. So it should be an interesting night. 
and we're not done with Jim yet. When we come back, more on the NBA draft. We'll bring in the resident expert, Scott Howard Cooper from NBA.com and NBA TV. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a pita taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun, interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. Our draft preview continues on this Thursday with Scott Howard Cooper, NBA.com and NBA TV draft expert. And NBA TV's live draft day coverage will begin Thursday at 5 p.m. with a 2015 NBA draft preview special hosted by Matt Weiner with analysts Stu Jackson, Steve Smith, Seth Davis, and David Aldridge. Uh, Scott, happy draft day to you, my friend. Happy draft for you guys as well. Scott, I want to start with more of a simple question, I would they say. It's safe to say that Carl Anthony Towns will probably go number one to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but I want to jump to number two with the Lakers. Um, I don't think it's so safe to say what could be at number two for the Lakers or who they could pick, especially with um, some of the trade activity going around. Who do you have going number two right now um, for the Lakers? Right now I have Jaleel Okafor. I just filed my day of draft a few minutes ago. It should be up sometime uh, early this afternoon, Eastern time. Uh, I still have Okafor there, but I am one who believes that there's a a decent chance, maybe even a good chance, that it's going to be somebody else. I haven't bought into this theory that's been going around now since the lottery that the Lakers are just going to take whichever of the two bigs that Minnesota doesn't. I think that you can uh, make a case, and more importantly, uh, front offices around the league have made a case in why D'Angelo Russell is a good fit there and has a, a, a great future with the Lakers. If that's the direction that L.A. goes, um, and assuming that Julius Randle comes back healthy, that's the big unknown. But Randle and Russell would be a great step forward in L.A. Scott, uh, dropping a little further down the lottery, there's two um, international guys that people have been talking about a ton lately. And I was curious – as someone like you who who really has a gets a ton of draft information has it knows a lot of people and and is kind of you know in there f- finding out people's perspective around the league as far as GMs and stuff like that it seems like 
I've I've seen a lot. I don't know. I'm sure if this is mostly from ESPN the last couple of days, but um, there's there's been a lot of talk lately about how it's been a long time since a international lottery pick was an all star and that kind of thing. Do you do you get a sense that there's some more skepticism about international players from from some of the teams than there, especially that part of the draft than than there has been in the last few years? Or what what do people kind of feel about those two guys right now? Yeah, I don't think there's any skepticism among teams. It's it's an easy thing for fans and the media mm. to mock, and especially anytime it's it's a tall guy uh, that supposedly is. Uh, got some mobility and can shoot and move around and so that guy's always going to be branded oh it's the next Darko. yeah <laughs> and this comes from this comes from people that i don't think could pick christoph porzingis uh out of a crowd of three <laughs> but but they've already got but they've already got him labeled as as the next Darko. Mm-hmm. um but among the people who matter the people that are going to be in the rooms tonight making these selections no i, I don't think that, that fits in uh you see someone like uh, christoph porzingis and his offensive potential jumps off the page. And that would be the case whether he uh, played in the Final Four this season or did not. That the, the skills are the skills, and that's not to say he's guaranteed to work out because there's, there's going to be an Adam Morrison in every draft. Mm-hmm. So it, it opens up teams to greater skepticism and mocking if things don't go well. But it, it's kind of become a lazy narrative for fans you know what plenty of plenty of guys that played in college basketball in the u.s have been failures as well and uh, i think that the european players deserve the chance to be failures just as much <laughs> where could you see porzingis falling tonight what range because it seems like every chance i see his stock is rising yeah i would be surprised if he goes below five i think uh, i've heard some people mention the lakers at two but i think that may be more because la brought him in for a workout and wanted to get a look, but I think something like three, four, five is is probably the most realistic. I don't think his stock has jumped up that much. Certainly not as much as uh, some people, some outlets have been trying to sell. This is a guy that that's been in the top ten since at least January, and has been getting top five conversations for a couple months. And uh, and now we're I think five or six weeks past when he realistically became a shot. For the top three so I, I it's not like he's got some big meteoric rise he has not come out of nowhere this is a guy that if he had stayed in the draft a year ago he entered his name then pulled out but if he had stayed in he would have been a, a candidate for the lottery uh, this is not some international man of mystery this is a guy that people have been watching now for quite some time and and, and talk about his work ethic and his potential on offense seven foot one with three point range and the ability to put the ball on the floor to get to the basket He's a uh, he's a nonstop worker. He loves to be in the gym. He will have zero transition to the NBA as far as off the court aspect. His, his English is better than a lot of people who are born and raised in the U.S. Uh, he he follows American culture uh, very closely. He even says that there's sometimes people say, you know, you're an American, aren't you? And so <laughs> I, I called him the American who isn't an American, and he's kind of like that. <laughs> Scott, uh, Pelicans are picking 56th, as we mentioned, and I'm not even going to try to guess who they would pick, and I'm definitely not going to try to ask you to, to tell us who they might pick. But just generally, in terms of this year's draft class, if you're picking late in the second round, do you think 
this is a good year where there's a there's a good crop of per, perhaps um, European or international guys that you might take there and then let stay over overseas for a year or two, or is this a year where there might be a lot of there might be some sleepers as far as American guys that you would pick there and and hope to see them pan out or, or maybe even both? How do you see that? Uh, the answer is yes, but not necessarily more than any past years. Once you're getting down into the the very end of the draft, you're hoping to get somebody. If, if somebody makes your team, that's a great success. It, it's funny. I'll, we'll, we'll, a lot of us do the mock drafts, and somebody will always respond and say, you know, I can't believe with pick number 52 or 55, whatever it may be, that you know that team doesn't have a need at that position. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you, you just want somebody that has the chance to do something, make a team. Uh, much more of an investment in the long term, as you said, somebody that will stay in Europe for a year or two and develop, maybe somebody that, that's here now and will go to the D League and take a year or two to develop, just somebody that can give you something and maybe contribute to your team at some point. Certainly a lot of it is uh, relying on your scouting, your scouting department and, and the GM himself. Uh, who do you see out there that you think has a chance to develop? And Maybe sometimes it's a gamble. Maybe it's, it's a guy that you say, boy, you would have gone a lot higher if not for an injury or if not for an off-court issue. And you say, what's the worst that can happen? If it doesn't work out, it's the number 56. And maybe somebody's got some upside. Uh, there's, there's always going to be those Europeans that get picked in the second round for that draft and stash. I think the majority of, of the better possibilities there, though, I think there's several guys maybe for the top half of the second round. Once you get to the second half, then it's things get a little bit more dicey. And as you said, there's no way to predict it at 56. There's every chance in the world it's going to be a guy that nobody had on any of their mock drafts. Sure. So it, would you say that the, the the depth this year of the draft, is it is it about the same as what, it, is what it's been in the last couple of years? And is there – do you see it as I know you you just referenced like the first half the first part of the second round? I mean, is it the kind of year where there there'll be a lot of guys in the beginning of the second round or maybe mid second round that you say, hey, a lot of people had this these guys as maybe first round picks. So it's it's from that standpoint, it's it's kind of a good class. Or how how do you kind of assess the whole depth of this year's draft? I think this year that that's going to be what stands out. Uh, as we look back on this three or five years later, I, I think this is going to be a draft that turns out to have good depth. I don't think it's going to be a great draft. I don't think there's a lot of guys there where you say, boy, this is, you know, th this guy's got superstar potential. Uh, it's not a lot of those guys who pop. You know, we're going to be talking about that a year from now when Ben Simmons from LSU is in the draft, if he, in fact, is in the draft, which everyone expects. Then you're talking superstar potential. But I think what you do have this time is, is saying there's a lot of guys that you can see having long, successful careers, maybe not multiple all-stars, but you could go down and say you get to eight or ten, and you could say there's a – I don't really see a, a potential, a strong potential for a bust. There's nobody that jumps out as Adam Morrison, for example. You, you can see something that everybody does, and even once you get out of the lottery, you can go down to people like – uh, Justin Anderson, who I think is is going to be the, the prime example of the depth of this class, somebody that could go in the 20s, and you're going to say, you're going to look up one day and say, this guy was 
a nice, solid player, good enough to, to be an important contributor on a playoff team. And that's, that's a pretty good thing if you're able to say that at the end of the day about guys picked in the 20s. So I, I do think that the draft is one of the things that will set this group apart. We're talking with Scott Howard Cooper, uh, NBA.com and NBA TV draft expert. You can find Scott Howard Cooper's mock draft 2.0 on NBA.com's draft hub. And uh, Scott, we've already heard about some trades um, from last night and this morning, none of them really involving draft picks, but how much trade activity could we see tonight and how could that affect maybe the, the front part of the draft? Uh, I think it's certainly possible. One of the teams that everybody's looking at as a strong possibility to do something is New York at number four because depending on the day, Phil Jackson has indicated the desire to maybe bring in some proven players and get this thing moving rather than uh, have to build through the draft, and that's going to be another couple of years of frustration for Knicks fans. So uh, it's a tougher read with the Knicks than a lot of other teams because you don't have that body of work from Phil Jackson. He was the GM a year ago, but the Knicks didn't have a high pick, so this is really his first time playing this silly board game of the NBA draft. And nobody, let's face it, Phil's got a little bit of unpredictability in him to begin with. Uh, but now it's especially the case because he has not done anything with the lottery pick before. Uh, if the Knicks draft that obviously, or if the Knicks draft that obviously changes things compared to if they trade, uh, there's a great deal of, of instability right now, obviously in Sacramento. And so trades are a possibility there. Uh, Charlotte has already shown its willingness to to try to make some aggressive moves to move things forward uh, for the Hornets because you saw the trade they made last night, and I think that they're open to listening to a lot of options again at number nine for the same reason that they just don't want to keep having to rely on guys through the draft. They need this to move forward now. So I I do think that trades are a possibility. Uh, There obviously will be some. There's always going to be uh, team trades, some pick in the 40s for two second rounders next season or something like that. So there's always going to be the minor moves, but I, I do think that there is a pretty good possibility of, of some significant deals as well. In terms of one of the trades that happened in the last 24 hours with uh, Nicholas Batum um, leaving Portland, do you get a sense for, is there a sense for what Portland is, is trying to do right now? And were you, were you surprised at all by that trade of, of him? He's been a, been a really uh, productive player for them and obviously Portland's one of those teams that the Pelican one of many teams in the West that the Pelicans are trying to kind of overtake in the in the standings I was very surprised um, I, I did not think that uh, Noah Vonley had that much appeal uh, around the league I, I don't know if it's the kind of, it obviously is partly Portland has to be concerned about life after LaMarcus Aldridge. They, they want to keep him. I don't think it by any means is a done deal that he's leaving, but clearly it is a possibility. So Vonley gives them uh, another a, a backup plan there. But I think from the Charlotte standpoint, it's especially interesting because they need shooting in the worst way, and that's something that Batum had been able to do before. He had made some three-pointers. Last season was really bad. So I'm anxious to see if, if he can recapture his three-point touch. This could turn out to be a really, really good move for Charlotte. Should be an interesting draft tonight, and that's uh, Scott Howard Cooper from NBA.com and NBA TV, their draft expert. You can find his mock draft 2.0 on NBA.com's draft hub and also 
NBA TV's live draft day coverage will begin at 5 p.m. with the 2015 NBA Draft Preview Special hosted by Matt Weiner with analysts Stu Jackson, Steve Smith, Seth Davis, and David Aldridge highlighting the draft's top prospects and topics. Scott, enjoy the night. Tonight should be a pretty interesting one. It always is. Thank you for being Thank you for having me. No problem. We'll be back to wrap things up on this Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research, and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders, and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866-AUCHTIONER for a same-day appointment. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. This is Anthony Davis, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. All right, it's time to wrap things up from Studio B. It's time for us to get ready for tonight's 2015 NBA draft. It starts around Gym 6 Central, I believe. Is that when it actually starts, think, you think, or is that where coverage begins I at 6? I think ESPN's preview coverage half-hour thing is at 6, and then uh, the draft itself, I believe, is going to start around 6.30, 6.40 will be when the first pick is made. So be safe. Just start watching around 6, between 6 and 6.40, but Jim. Uh, we'll be in the media room. You'll be live tweeting. What else can we expect from Pelicans.com? Well, depending on on what happens tonight, I mean, if they if they take a guy, if they draft a guy tonight, especially if it's it's a domestic guy that we can easily get a hold of people who know him, I'll probably have tomorrow. I'll have more coverage on the player. Hopefully, talk to some people who know him from whatever city he is from or from where whoever covers his the college that he plays for. So. Um, That'll be uh, probably most of uh, most of what we uh, what we break down tomorrow. And you'll be live tweeting tonight as well. Yes, I will be. I mean, I'm not sure how how uh, in depth I'm going to get because obviously the Pelicans aren't picking until the 56 pick. Right. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of interesting things that happen in the in the two or three hours before uh, New Orleans comes up on the board. And Dell Demps will speak at the end of the night, so make sure to uh, log on to Pelicans.com or the Pelicans mobile app to watch that. And on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report, Sean Kelly, yes, the infamous Sean Kelly, will be back. He'll be hosting tomorrow's show. Uh, Sekou Smith from NBA TV and NBA.com will help recap the draft, and then we'll hear from Dell Demps as well. And again, you never know who will stop by. So again, we look forward to the draft tonight. Hope you all uh, enjoy it. And uh, thanks for watching today's not watching. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you all are watching this show, it's pretty impressive because I can't even watch it. But thanks for listening to today's show. Thanks to Scott Howard Cooper from NBA.com and NBA TV for helping us preview the draft. And, Jim, this wasn't too bad, right? Four segments. I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> it was well, It was mostly painless, so I, it, was, it, was a, it was a good time. I will effort to get your green room a lot tidier and a lot better and get the things you need for next time. Excellent. If there is a next time. <laughs> for Jim Mike and Hoffer, I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.
Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. We'll